Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, we're back here on the Ohio Wind. Uh, I'm here with Craig, and we always love having guests on the show. And uh, from the Rutherford B. Hayes Presidential Library and Museums, uh, we have Christina Smith, who's the Marketing and Communication Director for the Center with us. Uh, Christina, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. How are you yeah, guys doing? Doing well. Great. And, you know, it, it's funny, um, Ohio... One of the things Ohio is known for is the, all the presidents have come from Ohio. Um, I, I think what we have overall is it like six or seven, I believe. Well, um, we actually claim eight, but it kind of depends yeah. because some of the okay. other states claim them too, like Benjamin Harrison, for example. Once you hit the Indiana state line, it says uh, oh, okay. home of Hoosier President Benjamin Harrison, but Ohio claims him because he was born here. Um, same kind of thing with Ulysses Grant. Some other states claim him as well, but he was born here. So we say we have eight, but it depends on how you do your counting. Is it a big argument with historians? I mean, I know you guys more work with Rutherford B. Hayes, but is there like an argument between Ohio and Indiana because of that? Um, I don't think so. I think it's more, you see it more in marketing. Like I I heard a commercial for Virginia that said they had the most presidents. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, no, Ohio has the most presidents. So I think it's more a marketing thing. I don't think historians care too much because they're like, well, uh, like when we give tours of the house and we get to the portrait of Ulysses Grant, I'm like, and he's from Ohio. And then if you have somebody from, you know, like Missouri or Illinois, they're like, now, wait a minute. I'm like, well, he was born here, but we can fight about that later. So, yeah, I always wonder, like, you know, obviously, you know, between states is big, you know, rivalries of football, like Ohio State and Michigan. Are we going to have a rivalry with Indiana over, you know, Harrison? Like, is it going to be a big Harrison's going to get upset with each other? <laughs> uh, you know, when I went to visit the Harrison house, I was with my parents, and my dad actually asked the tour guide, he's like, well, isn't he an Ohio president? And the guy says, well, no, because he was elected from Indiana, but he didn't seem too bothered by it. Uh, okay. like, me from Ohio. So. He, didn't, he didn't kick you guys out of the museum. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but, but let's get back to Rutherford for B. Hayes, because I'm sure if Hayes is listening somewhere, wherever he's at, he's probably like, why don't you talk about me? And not <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Russell for B. Hayes. What don't we know about him? What should we know about Hayes? Yeah, so a lot of people um, don't know much about Hayes. I ask all my tours uh, when they come in the front door, you know, how much do you guys know? And I think I've had maybe five, six people in the last year um, who are like, oh, I read his autobiography and I know this, this and this. Most people don't know much about him at all. And that's that's normal because um, he kind of gets lost with the bearded presidents after the Civil War. 
he only served one term. Um, he said from the outset when he got the nomination to run that he was only going to serve one term. Um, he hmm. did not believe in multiple terms. Um, so he kind of, and he didn't preside over, he he presided over important issues, but it's not like he presided over a war or a major historical event that people in general really remember. So it's kind of normal that you don't know too much about him, but he is definitely worth knowing about. Um, so, so some things that we like to tell people, uh, these are more some kind of fun facts, but he started the White House Easter egg roll. Okay. Um, he is the first president to have a law degree. So other presidents, you know, like Abraham Lincoln, James Buchanan and so forth, um, were lawyers, of course, but they learned through apprenticeship, whereas, um, Hayes, uh, has a law degree from Harvard. So he has that in common with President Obama. Um, he had the first phone installed in the White House. He had the first typewriter. So those are kind of some fun things. He really liked gadgets. His wife, Lucy, is the first first lady to have a college degree. Um, so they have some presidential firsts. Um, and then I, I like to tell my tours that if Hayes would want you to know anything about him, the main thing would be that he served um, for the Union Army during the Civil War. Um, so... He felt that was his greatest accomplishment in life, like more important than being president. So even after he was president, he preferred to be called General Hayes and not President Hayes. So um, that's a big thing um, about him. And Civil War was important for his wife, Lucy, too. She used to go visit him and actually take the kids when they were in winter camp in uh, what is today West Virginia um, and visit him. And she'd mend the soldiers' uniforms and she'd tend to the sick. So... Um, those are some kind of highlights about him. We can, if you, you know, if you want to talk about what issues he presided over, we can, but I'll kind of let you guys tell me what you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, no problem. I was just thinking about it. It, it didn't seem to be at that time that the, the, there was a lot of, um, was it, was there a lot of strife during that time? Like now we're a very divided country. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there was a lot of that going on back then. Is that what you understood? Um, actually, there are a lot of parallels, I would say, from back then to today. Oh, um, okay. One of, one of the main things, I guess I, I really neglected to mention this because I was thinking more about his presidency and his life, but um, Hayes' election uh, remains one of the most contested, if not the most contested in U.S. history. Really? So, okay. Yes. Yeah. So he did not win the popular vote. He won the electoral vote. Um, okay. And so back then, we were about 12 years out of the Civil War. So the North and South are still very, very divided. Um, okay. Not unlike today, I don't think it's a North and South thing, but the country is very divided as, as we are today. And um, so back then, they would say you vote how you shot. So if you okay. are a um, Northerner, if you're a Union person, <clears throat> most likely you're going to vote for the Republican candidate because at that time the uh, Republican Party is the party of Lincoln. So that would be President Hay or Rutherford B. Hayes. Um, if you are um, more of a, a Southerner, more of a Confederate-leaning person, you're probably going to vote for the Democratic candidate who is Samuel Tilden from New York. Now, actually, Hayes and Tilden had quite a few similarities. Um, so our museum talks about that a little bit more. Um, but... Long story short, um, the returns come in from the voting, and there are all kinds of problems. There are states in dispute. At that time, um, freed black men could vote, freed slaves could vote. Um, In the South, at many places, they were intimidated away from the polls. Presumably, they would have voted for Hayes, so he got some electoral votes 
um, for that um, because their votes they didn't get to vote basically um there were some also i like to say there were shenanigans all around there was some wrongdoing on the republican side too i'll be honest i don't know as much about that but um there was wrongdoing on both sides so um people back then you know they vote in november and they uh, did not know until right before the inauguration who the president was and back then they did not inaugurate until march so as you can this year we all go to the polls on Tuesday and we don't know until Saturday who the president is. And that was angst ridden enough, you know, in right, um, right. Hayes' day, they all go vote and they don't know until like, um, you know, March 1st, 2nd, I can't remember the exact date, but a few days before he's inaugurated that he's actually the president. Um, so it was a very, very divided time. Um, not so much Samuel Tilden, but I guess you would say his side or maybe his supporters even talked about taking Washington, D.C. by force because there was this feeling that Hayes had stolen the election. And um, Tilden, both Hayes and Tilden, to their credit, um, were willing to step back and say, you know, if the other guys declared the winner, I'm good with that because they felt that was for the good of the country. So Tilden has a quote, this isn't exact, but to the effect of, um, I know I can retire to private life knowing I was elected to the highest position without having to have any other responsibility. Oh. So he takes office, and there are people who call him rather fraud, um, his fraudulency. There's a political cartoonist who won't even draw his picture throughout his presidency because he says he's not the president. So during the election last year, we actually, our tours were really interested in the election because we kind of, it's definitely yeah. not the same, but we sort of have been there um, before. So um, and at that point, one of the things that I would say Hayes is known for, and now we're getting into more nuanced stuff, is a lot of people, he did end reconstruction in the South. Uh, however, um, it's commonly sort of accepted that that he did this to win the presidency and reconstruction was pretty much over when he took office. So you guys probably have read a little bit about that, um, you know, recent yeah. different news articles and stuff. So yeah, yeah definitely don't want to gloss over that. Oh yeah, I'm a history buff. We could talk for eight hours about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, how do you think? I'll pause this because we're coming here real shortly. Did because hey, you know, we've gone for this right now. Obviously, with you know the last election with Biden and Trump, how was Hayes able to kind of cross that bridge? Because I think that's the thing that the challenge that Biden faces right now. Because we've got people kind of saying some similar things now. How did Hayes cross that bridge to kind of unify the country where it didn't sound like we were unified before? Yeah. So he that was the big thing because he only had the four years because he said he was not going to run again. So he spent a lot of his presidency trying to unite the country. Um, he did a lot of traveling. So, you know, back then, obviously, it's not like today. You mostly um, get your news from newspapers. There's no social media. There's no 24-hour news cycle. So um, at that time... Um, like even the territories out West, they might have not even really seen many pictures of the president. So he did a lot of traveling. He did a tour of the South um, to try to unite North and South. He's the first sitting president to travel to the West Coast. And um, so part of why he did that is he felt that, um, you know, people should really see the president. They should feel um, you know, that they know him, that he cares about them. So that was part of why he did a lot of the traveling. And just to give you an idea, when he went out west, 
uh, General Sherman was his bodyguard because this was pre-Secret Service and more people knew who General Sherman was than Hayes was. So definitely it's hard to imagine because, you know, we're always on Twitter and, and you know, getting videos on Facebook and all that. But back then it was quite a bit different. Um, so he spent most of his time um, trying to be the uniter. Um, well, well, Christina, I, I need to mention this to Craig. Um, Craig, we always talk about great ideas for Ohio and our country. Uh, we should take the Rutherford B. Hayes and, and bring it a step further. Instead of not knowing until a couple days before inauguration, we can make our inauguration like the Pope, you know, where we don't know who the president is until they walk out. <laughs> I mean, you imagine the ratings for that inauguration, especially this time, when you know, you're counting up ballots and everything, and inauguration day, they open the door. Is it Trump? Is it Biden? Oh. And they send up the smoke. That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> It's like, a, it's like a big reveal, like on the uh, when they renovate those homes on the show, and they you know they pull the oh, yeah. curtain back, and there's the house that's totally different than what it was. Maybe they could do that. <laughs> I, the ratings would be interesting, but then I think after about five seconds, you'd probably lose half of the audience, though. I think. Yeah, there'll be riots and all stuff. But uh, yeah, Craig, sorry, what, what did you? Have yeah, uh, well, Christina, obviously, I've done a lot of stories on on Hayes. You know, you've written about Hayes before your time as a, as a journalist, but. If for those of those people out there that may not have ever heard of the Hayes Center and, and what's offered there, tell tell people a, a little bit about what's offered at the museum and the library and the grounds of Spiegel Grove. Yeah, well, it's always great working with you, Craig. Um, nice working with you before and now working with you in this capacity. And um, yeah, so we have quite a bit at the Hayes Presidential Library Museums. We're located at Spiegel Grove, which is the name of the estate. Um, Spiegel Grove uh, is an official arboretum. Um, we have uh, President Hayes and his wife Lucy's Victorian Mansion. Um, we have the Presidential Library, which is the first in the United States, and um, a two-floor museum, um, which has uh, special exhibits, usually two special exhibits a year, um, three if you count our Christmas train exhibit we have every year. Um, the President and Lucy are buried there. When you come into the property, you drive through original White House gates, and we have White House gates um, from Hayes' time at all of our entrances. There's only one drive-in entrance. The rest are pedestrian. Um, we have a mile of paved trails. Um, we have special events. You can do research there. Um, so there is a, a lot to do depending on what your interest is. Well, tell us a little bit about some of the issues that, uh, that the center faced during the pandemic and it's probably still faces obviously, but tell us some of the issues maybe that the, the, the center, the museum, the, the, the grounds had faced, uh, you know, during the pandemic here. Yeah. So, um, we were hit pretty hard, just like everybody else. Um, so museums took a big hit in their attendance. Most of them saw about 30% of their normal attendance last year. Ours was actually a little bit lower. We saw about 16% of our normal attendance. Um, like the rest of Ohio, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. Like the rest of Ohio back in March of 2020, we actually shut down. We kind of voluntarily shut down. And then a couple weeks later, a week later, I can't remember the exact timing, uh, Governor DeWine's ruling came to, to shut down. Um, so a lot of us were working from home for quite a while. We were closed from March until about mid-June. And we reopened to members in June, mid-June, and then to the public in late June. 
Um, so we had a lot of people on furlough. Our house guides obviously were on furlough. We had other staff who were on furlough. Um, so it was an interesting time when we reopened. Normally in the past, we've been open seven days a week. When we reopen, we reopened for three days a week. We've just added a fourth day. So we're kind of seeing how that goes. Um, so obviously we had a pretty big budget deficit because we weren't getting the admissions uh, and doing our normal fundraising, of course, because, you know, lots of businesses were hit pretty hard who normally sponsor us and things like that. Um, so we we basically put out a call to our supporters that we needed help. And um, we're very, very grateful to them because um all, all these people stepped up and gave us uh, gifts, um, you know, financial donations to help us with that. Our sponsors, we couldn't have our events and our sponsors were like, that's okay, keep the money, which was really, really nice. We really appreciate that. Um, and we all kind of cut and tightened our budgets. Um, so everybody sort of looked at what can I not spend? What can, you know, so, um, and it means a lot to us too, the staff who were on furlough, because that had to be difficult. We had, we have one staff member who was on furlough for a year um, and she's just come back uh, to us. And I know that was hard to be away for a year. So we tried to keep in touch with them, you know, through social media and everything. Um, so current challenges, we're, we're very fortunate. Our, our budget is balanced on paper. Hopefully things will continue to improve um, with, with how COVID is going. Um, our visitation has been up. It was fantastic during spring break time and around Easter. So um, we're hoping that more good things are, are coming. Sure. Well, I know one of the biggest things that uh, gets people out there other than some of you know, the sleigh rides during the winter and things like that. But, you know, the museum and the exhibits are, are really big sellers. What are some of the uh, maybe unique things about the museum and what are maybe some of the things uh, going on exhibit wise at uh, the center right now? I love the museum. Um, the museum building itself, the original part was built in 1916. So the museum is almost kind of like an artifact as well. Um, it was added on to twice. So it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, but we have a lot. We have in our collections, we have more than 20,000 artifacts. They're not all on display. Um, but I love the museum. You come in and it really tells, we, we redid the museum, completely renovated it in 2016. And I feel like it really tells the story of Rutherford and Lucy. There are big bold pictures. We use their letters and diaries. So you really hear about it in their own words. We have some fantastic artifacts. Um, so I think the museum does a good job of, of telling a, a chronological and cohesive story. And what's nice about it is some people come in and they start um, the way that it's set up where you kind of go into setting the stage for the presidency and learning about the presidency. But other people like to start downstairs with their early years in the Civil War and uh, learn about that. So it's, it's kind of nice. You can sort of pick how you want to do it. Um, some of my favorite artifacts that we have in there are some Native American pottery. Um, one of the big issues Hayes dealt with as president is at that time, um, the government had forced Native Americans off their land and they were trying to negotiate to get it back to not be pushed further away. So Hayes met with a lot of Native American delegations, uh, whether it was at the White House or out West, and they gave him gifts and he and Lucy also bought gifts. So I, I love those collections. Um, we also have right now, we have two special exhibits. Like I mentioned earlier, we try to do two exhibits a year. Uh, with COVID, obviously, um, we're keeping our 2020 exhibits through 2021 because a lot of people didn't really get to see them. 
Um, and right now um, we have the press and the presidency, which I think is a really great timely exhibit. That one opened um, before the 2020 election. So I feel like that was a really good timely one. And that focuses on um, US presidents and their relationship with the news media through time. And it also kind of shows how um, media has changed. So obviously, like we talked about earlier in the beginning, it was mostly newspapers and then your radio gets added in with FDR and his fireside chats and then TV uh, and now, of course, social media as well. So I think it's it's a really fun exhibit. There are some cool interactives. Um, you can take your picture in a White House press corps and text it to yourself. You can send a telegram, that kind of thing. And then the other exhibit uh, is really fun, and that one is called Ohio and Unnatural History. And so this is about um, creature stories and folklore from Ohio. Um, so if you are like me and are really into, you know, the legends of Bigfoot and um, Dogman of Defiance and the Lake Erie Monster, this is where you can kind of come learn about all that. Um, but what's cool about this exhibit is we don't just show you the stories, but we kind of look at why do these stories persist? Uh, why is folklore important? Um, and we do kind of debunk uh, at least one ghost story in there because what we found out uh, is that it's not true. So um, they're both really fun exhibits. Um, we're still getting a lot of calls because Ohio and Unnatural History actually opened two weeks before we shut down. Um, so we're still getting a lot of calls from people who want to come see that one and the other one as well. Well, and real quick, uh, where can we find more information about the Hayes Center and, and where can people uh, buy tickets for whether it be the house tours or uh, just, uh, you know, going to the museum itself? Um, so you can find all that information on our website. Um, it's rbhays.org. And um, I neglected to mention earlier, one of the things that came out of COVID is uh, we now have online ticketing where you can get your, your tickets in advance to try to have a more touchless experience. And a lot of people like that because then you know if you want to come and do the 10 a.m. tour, you can get the 10 a.m. tour if it's not already sold out. So uh, if you go to rbhays.org and click on visit us and buy tickets, you can find all that there. Um, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, at rbhayesprez. And we're also on YouTube as well. Excellent. Well, well, Christina, well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I am a history buff, so like I say, I uh, I don't want to keep you too long, but I can talk to you all day about history. And it's really cool to see what you guys are doing there with the center, and good luck. I mean, I know um, COVID is presenting a challenge, but hopefully we'll get off COVID before super long. But uh, it's good to see you guys have a good plan for keeping moving forward because not everybody can say that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there are some museums that are still closed. So we've been very fortunate that we're able to be open. And because the museum's big, we have a lot of room and the house is big enough and we've condensed our, or I guess I shouldn't say condensed our tours, but reduced our tour sizes. So we are able to keep that distancing as well. So well, so love to have you come back to talk history or, or anything else going off the center. We really appreciate it. Well, that'd be um, great. Thanks, guys. Hang on for a second. And uh, thanks for everybody for checking out the Ohio and check out our sponsors. Uh, check out our partner podcast, Hope Interrupted, uh, which dropped a new episode this week. Have a great day, everybody.